Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We got some stuff about the Cavs' loss last night and double overtime to the Bulls. Um, I will defend mine and Mark Price's honor from the hatchet job uh, that I heard on the morning show today in, in response to, quite frankly which is a very tired argument. I got Danny Cunningham right out of the pocket, energy. Uh, the man The man had a nice argument about anti-Mark Price. And then I just kind of, I was not prepared for it. So I'm going to answer for, for, for that, for that failure yesterday during the show and for the hatchet job from the morning show. We got combine talk. We got Adam Amin coming up in just about 40 minutes. We got Albert Breer at, at 520, as we do every single Thursday. But I got nothing for you on 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 the leap year thing, I, and it's weird. Like every year, I hear the same four jokes. Maybe it's maybe if every year we had a leap day, every year we had a February 29th, the jokes would be fresher. But I or, or like maybe we'd have more content. But I heard a lot of like, well, this guy's 15 because he's only had 15 birthday. I got nothing on that. It it impacts me not. Other than. It makes this this week a little bit longer. And in fairness, the most noteworthy thing about uh, the leap year conversation today is it snowed today, and I was very upset by that. But and, and just so you know, I'm still wearing shorts. This is not a logical argument, but I'm not counter programming my um, my wardrobe with the weather because screw this weather. This is good fat man weather. At least they're not short shorts yet. If it if it snows one more time, it's going to be like uh, Doctor J in 1977. You're going to see everything, and I'm sorry for that. Don't pin it on me. Put it on Mother Nature because this is on her and whatever's going on right now. But whatever went on last night, not great, Bob. And I'm and I'm caught in between. I'm not going to ride the fence. It will not span my girth. I'm not going to ride the fence on this. I will land somewhere in the next 40 minutes about the Cavs' loss to the Bulls last night. Um. I, I think this idea that the Cavs should get a pass for last night is a little funny to me. Like, I think, I mean, I think context matters. And I had said last night, you know, like, hey, I need to, we need, to, I don't care about style points as long as you win. And so style points are going out the window and, you know, I'll start worrying about style points again in, in you know, mid-March. As of right now, February 28th turned, nay, 29, I, I just... If they had won that game last night, I'm not. I would not talk to you about how they got uh, out rebounded uh, by nearly 50 rebounds. If they had won that game last night, I wouldn't talk that the same thing we've talked about with Darius Garland at the end of games, bad possessions, 
just bad decisions overall, bad defensive possessions. I I wouldn't uh, that I would not be mentioning Donovan Mitchell and whether or not Donovan Mitchell is tired. Right? Now he does. He looks exhausted to me, especially late in that game. He had a chance to to win the game in overtime. I uh, had a had an open look at a shot and just missed the shot. I also can't panic about that game specifically. Like if this is to me when the Cavs concern or are you concerned or any of that stuff becomes real, it is I'm not going to I'm not going to overreact to one game specifically, the second half of back to back to win double overtime. Like watching the game last night, do you know what I saw? I saw a team that the second Donovan Mitchell missed that shot, I knew the Cavs were going to lose in double overtime. Cuz Donovan looked at his teammates, he did the oh hey, we got this, it just missed a shot kind of thing. The man was cooked. He was tired. And I you could see from the very first possession of overtime where that Cavs team was. I'm going to go ahead and say that specific to that loss, it comes down to the second half of a back-to-back. And if that thing doesn't end up going to overtime, if Donovan just hits one of the shots early, if you don't, if Jared Allen doesn't foul DeRozan to tie the game late in that game, like there's three or four things, and if just one of those things goes differently, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'll be honest, I have no problem with the Cavs game last night because they win. But man, it was the same kind of frustrating thing. Like if we just go to last night's game, that's second half back to back. It's uh, February 28th, at least it was yesterday. They're coming out of the all-star break. Like, I don't have a lot of hot takes on that game specifically when I think the longer that game went on, the less of a chance you really had. And I think their legs just gave out in double overtime. And I think you add to it bad possessions, shots not falling. Chicago got super hot in that second uh, overtime. I'm willing to wipe it all away. A few things, though. Just in the game, just one, I have zero respect for the way the Bulls play basketball. And it's a little rough for me to say that. In about 30 minutes, we got Adam Amin on, who is the Bulls uh, play-by-play man. And actually, really, I have the utmost respect for Adam because he's a legitimately good dude as well as being phenomenal at his job. But, like, I don't know if I'll bring this up with him, but DeMar DeRozan goes on the floor every five seconds, whether he's touched or not. Kobe White continues to flop like Anderson Verjao on steroids. Like, the whole, just all of, I mean, Nikola Vucevic has just kind of turned into another soft-ass big in the NBA who scores a lot of points because uh, defense sucks. Like, I just watched him. Billy Donovan, honestly, just gives strong Chach vibes. Always has. But now that he's their head coach and they play like Chachs, it's even worse. So, like, part of me watched that game last night and just kind of – it's funny. It's not It's not like some sort of boomerang effect. I grew up hating the Bulls because Michael Jordan terrorized the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's not that. It's not that. It's just this specific version of this team – is a bunch of turds. They just don't play basketball in the way that I like or respect. That being said, they got the win last night. Also, do we have to start a counter for Darius Garland's face? I think we have to start. We need a new um, metric, and we need the analytics folks to do a deep dive on this, on shots to the face per game. Because I joked about this yesterday about, man, there must be like a some sort of steel plate in his face that just draws people's hands to his schnoz. Happened again last night. Actually, might have happened multiple times. And I just keep watching, and I'm like, okay, I, do all other smallish point guards get smacked in the face the way Darius is? Is this is this just a Darius problem? Like, I need John Hollinger to get to the bottom of this because, or we just need to start finding a way 
Like uh, the 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 face mask that players have when they have like a broken orbital bone isn't enough for Darius. We need to have like a like a mask from the um, not from the movie The Mask, but from uh, the Man in the Iron Mask, but of bubble wrap. It is the damnedest thing. Any time, and here's the thing: you'll kind of be paying attention to basketball, and you know it's an NBA regular season game. You pay as much attention in the first half as the players do, which is not a lot, and. All of a sudden, I just you just every time I randomly look up, it's Darius Garland, one to the schnoz. Give him a heater. And the wild thing is, they don't call it. The NBA referees are like, ah, it's Darius. His face takes a beat, and it's okay. Like, Darius would have to get, like, jumped like it was malice in the palace for Darius to get a call when he gets smacked in the face. Is that slight hyperbole? It's massive hyperbole. The reality is, every t- I don't know if the NBA referees know this, when you get smacked in the face, that is a foul. It's not like, a, well, I didn't mean to do it. Like, maybe this is the dad in me. Like, my kids all the time are like, well, I didn't mean to do that. Yes, but you still kicked your daughter, or you still kicked my daughter, your sister, in the jaw. I, we still have to have a conversation about this. We don't just get to go, well, she didn't mean to do it. I guess it's okay. There's a lot of stuff I've not meant to do. Oh, you know what? Uh, I just kind of walked into robbing that bank. Didn't mean to do it. All right. I mean, he said he didn't mean to do it. What are we doing here? Yeah, he said he actually didn't do it. Okay, well, if he says he doesn't do it, we got to take his word for it because that's how it goes around here. Um, but getting back to the concern, and I'm not going to do the Cavs concern-ometer, which we used to do at nights when I was working on the night show. I knew they were going to lose that game when they went to, to double overtime. It just, I, I didn't expect them to win that game. So even though I went into last night's game saying, just win this damn game. Once the context changed of how last night went, my expectations changed. There's the thing you say when it's like, well, Cavs versus Bulls, second half of back-to-back, you're the better team, they're four games below 500. you you're more talented. Yeah, neither of you is really playing that good of basketball, but you need this win more than they do. That's the kind of thing you say going into the game. Then the game happens. And this is one of those things that I will chalk up to circumstance. What I won't chalk up to circumstance, happenstance, happiness, any of the other stances is the fact that the formula to losing last night is eerily similar to every other loss or near loss they've had in the last seven games. And that's where I think it's a real conversation. And I think any time, and I, I don't know if this is, I don't know if it's just a state of how we, the, the dialogue um, with with just teams now. I mean, I, I you know, every day I see some new person that's a, you know, a, a content creator on social media who all they do is they're like, ah, Darius Garland's good at basketball, right, guys? Like, that's not an opinion. Yeah, it's really not. There's no analysis in that. That's empty calories. You know, hey, anybody else love the Cavs? Woo! Okay. I love the Cavs, too. I mean, hell, even sports talk. I, the, the amount of times I, I hear might when, when assessing the Cavs, well, it might be time for concern for the Cavs. Oh, way to go out on a limb there. Way to have that opinion there. You, you stick right there. Hold the line, right? Don't, don't give in to the people who are like, yeah, but it might not. All right? You just dig your feet in the dirt, and you go ahead and keep riding that gigantic fence you're on. But, like, guys, it's okay to look now. The sample size is significant enough to look at the Cavs the last seven games and go, J.B. Bickerstaff's end-of-game habits are hurting you again. His inability to use timeouts, his inability to draw up actions that actually work, um, 
X's and O deficiencies, rotational deficiencies. Like, this is where JB's not going to bail you out. So whether it's the organization having to help JB bail you out or whether it is the guys themselves, the Cavs are not playing good basketball right now. And it only matters when you're losing games like last night. Style points are out the window. I'm 100% with everybody out there. Content creators, other sports talk show hosts, all y'all. The style points right now are not what concerns me. But if you want to be the two seed, games like last night, and it's not like last night. It is games that you've lost over the last seven games. They need to go the way of the Dodo. The end of game possessions where Donovan or Darius are just waiting to score and everybody's looking around them like, I wonder which one's going to do it. Oh gosh, that that LeBron type, that LeBron era stuff, that cannot that's not how this team is constructed. It's not how this team's going to win. I'm um, getting beat on the boards, especially the offensive glass. It's not going to do it. So, if you want to bury your head in the sand until it gets super concerning, I got I got no qualm in my heart for you. But the reality is, you should be a little concerned where the Cavs are right now. Your ears should be perked. And over the next three to five games, the Cavs need to get back to doing the things that help them win eighty of twenty or eighteen of twenty games, because they're not doing it. Ball movement sucks, especially at the end of games. You are getting beat up and bullied by teams that have no business beating up and bullying you. Those are the, also the same things that lost you in the playoffs. That's why this does matter. That's why we can't just go. That's ah, February 29th. Let's make another leap year joke to start the show. Specific to last night. Once you got into the game, wasn't really that mad about the loss. Once Donovan missed the the shot at the end of the first overtime, I was like, okay. Yeah, that's tough. Like 10 quarters of basketball inside 24 hours is a is a butt ton of of uh court time, especially when you were kind of sluggish at different points over the last two or three weeks. But I think it's interesting, like I really struggle with JB because I I think you saw in the 18 of 20 games the value of the culture that he's fostered and and allowed to grow and helped grow, right? And I I don't think without the love of their teammates, without Darius, without Evan, I don't know a fair amount of coaches could could have a, a, a culture that responds the way that the Cavs did. I also think, and I and I said at the time, and I, I like I think in a lot of ways the Darius and Evan injuries made JB's job easier because no longer did he think about well when do I play how do I play Darius and Donovan together um, Donovan is playing well Darius is not how do I how do I get one going without the other kind of stagnating and I'm tend right now I tend to believe that Donovan's just tired I don't think he's stagnating. But Donovan has not been as good the last couple games. And I think you saw that last night as the game went on. You know, he even had some of the bad possessions that basically come from the fact that when he and Darius are on the court at the end of the game, the offense stalls in the half court. And it basically comes to um, uh, Donovan, you're going to dribble the ball on the ground and then take a shot? Okay. Darius, you're going to dribble the ball on the, gr- the ground and then take a shot? That's That's... That specific thing is a little bit more Darius, but you know the possessions aren't getting better in the half court at the end of games. That's a lot of why you lost and didn't score enough points in the, the series against the Knicks. It's a lot of why you went from, oh my God, they're a four seed and look how well they're playing, to getting you know cut off at the knees by a Knicks team that just doesn't have those problems. 
And so I, I struggle. Like, I think, do I think that JB was hugely responsible for creating the environment that allowed the 18 of 20 wins? Yes. Am I turning this all into JB's why they lost last night? That's not really, It's it wouldn't even be fair. JB doesn't um, get out-rebounded out on the offensive glass the way the, the, the Cavs did last night. Um, JB does not have the confidence issues or honestly just the strength issues. Darius, I saw multiple times last night try to go to the rim, and I, I probably could have blocked a shot. Like he just he isn't going up with any strength. He's not going up with any – he's not finishing strong, and it's, it's noticeable. Um, in the middle of the game, it's noticeable at the end of the game too. So – if you want to talk about the bigs and now how all of a sudden the bigs are not playing with the same confidence together, that's, I mean, yeah, we can point to things like the rotation, but overall, I think when I get back to that 18 of 20 winning streak, a frustration that I have is it just seemed like people were saying JB really was pushing the right buttons because they were winning. I, I don't think JB got better with his timeouts at the end of games. I don't think JB got better with his rotations because he, Yes, he was playing seven or eight guys. Yes, he was playing Sam Merrill, but not consistently. Yes, he was playing Craig Porter Jr. periodically. Uh, he was doing that because two of his best players were off the court. So I'm I'm torn. I'm really torn with where the Cavs are because I I don't think they're a bad team. I don't I think this is a, a transitional moment, but it, it does feel like JB's looking at the players and going, uh, hey, these last seven games, I need you guys to get on right where it needs to be. And the players are looking back at JB like, hey, could we maybe save a timeout when there's like 2.5 seconds left on the clock, like the Dallas game? And it does feel like no one's taking the reins to do the uncomfortable thing. And I understand it's easier to say that, by the way. Trying to go to Darius Garland being like, dude, you're unplayable in the final three minutes of game, that's really tough. And you don't want to kill the kid's confidence. But if you're in, if you're the culture guy, if you're not the X's and O's guy, man, I need you to get through to Darius. And I need you to find a way to get him moments early in the game by himself without Donovan so that he can just get back to playing quickly and not thinking every damn time he's on the court with Donovan Mitchell. I don't see that happening enough. So I'm really torn. Like, I, I think there is a catch-22 here where right now the things they're struggling with are being aided by the fact that JB in some ways has his limitations as a coach there are other times where I think it's the, the 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 players on the court are either not being assertive enough, they're not playing heady enough basketball, they might be tired, um, or in the case of Darius, he just doesn't have it right now. And so that's to me why I, I think it's a Cavs issue. And I think it's a little bit of a concern. If we're doing a, a, um, a, uh, a 1 to 10, I'd probably say it's a 3, maybe a 4. But... Where you are, this is this is the time in the NBA schedule where you kind of gotta we gotta start to see the things being put together. And over the next three to five games, and and I'm just kind of pulling that specific number out because I think that's right about where you get to middle of March on. But like three to five games, you need to you need to button it up. Because if we're having the same conversations and it's the end of March, even if you're still the two seed. You better hope you get a sweetheart of a first round matchup. Because you get a, a physical team like Miami in the first round of the matchup, you're you're gonna go home that first round. Because Miami is gonna take complete advantage. And I saw Windhorse today on uh what was that? Was that get up? 
talking about Jalen Brunson and Donovan looking yes, at... I okay. believe it was actually yesterday on first yeah. take. And, and I'm going to paraphrase it and probably butcher it, and apologies to Brian's family if you still live in the area. But Brian's point was, man, Donovan should be really jealous of, of what uh, Jalen Brunson has in New York. And I, I think that's a massive prisoner of the moment take. I think if you said right now, and, and OG Ananobi kind of pushes this to a much more legitimate conversation. If you said right now what roster I'd rather take, I'd still rather the Cavs roster. Once we get beyond the Cavs roster, we get to things like the head coach and we kind of factor it all together. Um, but it's not, the Cavs aren't doing this because of a lack of talent. They're doing this because fit issues that have not been resolved and because now you've got two young guys trying to work back to that level. But all this being said, the ball is too stagnant. You are not going to win in the playoffs. And if we are three weeks down the line having the same conversation, it's great. It, it is with great likelihood the Cavs are going to be sat on their ass in the first round of the playoffs. And that doesn't matter if you're concerned or not. The, once you get to the stretch run of the NBA, it doesn't matter whether you or I or or PD, the digital uh, content creator, who's just like, isn't Cleveland wonderful? Isn't isn't Donovan Mitchell magical? Who has no opinion on the damn thing, but still has fifty. What is it, 500,000 uh, social media followers? It doesn't matter whether how good vibes we have. They're going to get skunked if they don't figure this out right quick because two games before the All-Star break turned into seven games in a three and four record in the last seven games real damn quick. Mike, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got? Hey, I'm just thinking about JB, man. It seemed like, you know, they always say, well, when a coach has a lot of talent, that's a good problem to have because he's got to figure it out. But it don't seem that way for JB. It just seemed like he can't figure it out. And what I mean by that, the rotation, you know, just like last night. You know, you ride these guys, man, they, and Donovan had just come back from the All-Star game, so he played an extra one or two games when you look at that. Um, it just didn't, he didn't pull the right strings, man. What, what, he could have brought Merrill and Niang back in, you know, some fresh legs in that, that second part of that double overtime, you know? And, yeah. and, and he could have pulled uh, uh, Okoro and um, – What's the guy's name? Uh, I'm, I'm just a couple guys out. Just switch it around a little bit. Bring some, bring some shooters in, some fresh legs. That's all. He didn't do that. I don't know why he just stuck with the same uh, five guys. Mike, we we appreciate you, buddy. Thank you very much. 216-474-0092. 216-474-0092. And at Nick Wilson says, social media reactions on X powered by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Uh, case in point, I know they went to double overtime. Uh, Donovan played 44 minutes in a double overtime game. If you were on the second half of back-to-back, you've got Donovan already looking a little um, tired. Maybe you don't have to play Donovan as many minutes in the first half of the game. Maybe even in the third quarter, you can bring down and trim down Donovan's minutes. Darius has looked lost and confused. He played 44 minutes last night. There were, in a game with double overtime, think about how much time is in double overtime. There were six guys that played uh, 30 minutes or more last night. It was Lavert and the starters. Again, I'm not. Tr- this is not just all about JB, but it does feel like we're at this critical point where either the Cavs organization has to help JB figure this out a little bit more. And I'm talking about end of game execution, um, X's and O's, basic stuff, out of timeout plays, the basic stuff people have been talking about JB for since he was Houston's head coach for a season uh, eight years ago, seven years ago. Um, This is where the rubber meets the road. 
And you either need to help JB figure it out or you need to help the players figure it out. The Cavs are too good. And listen, one-game gimmies is fine. Bad stretches happen. But when the bad stretches happens, matter. And the things that hurt you in the playoffs are the things that are killing you now. Darius struggles, the offense um, in the half court, late games, I mean, just looking abysmal, right? Shot selection, three-point selection, late in games, abysmal. Um, Your big's getting pushed around to the nth degree. Offensive rebound, which is a massive problem for this team. The same three things that killed you in the playoffs. So you got the better roster. So if I was told all, all we need are a couple tougher guys, we need some three and D players, we need guys that can shoot the rock, well, your best three-point shooter can't see can't sniff the court in a double OT game. So what are we doing? Are are we winning our are sorry, are we and this is a, a criticism I've had of Kevin Stefanski before. And it's going to be something that anytime I see it, I'm going to call out. This last year, what made the Browns last year so cool was it felt like Kevin finally embraced a different way to win. Because Let's score more points than the other team. That's that he he realized the point was we just got to score more points than the other team. But if you look at any one of the four different ways they won with the four different quarterbacks, they they had to embrace other ways of winning. They couldn't just do it the Kevin Stefanski way. Right now, JB's doing it the JB way. And the timing, if this happened, if this was if this interrupted the eighteen of if you put it smack dab in the middle of the eighteen of twenty stretch, probably don't have a problem. But post-game or post-All-Star break, it really does matter. John, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Hey, uh, watching that game last night, in the final 13 seconds, the Cavs just had to run the clock out. They got the ball over midcourt. They gave it to Donovan. Donovan holds it, waiting for the guys Chicago to come and foul. And Darius is standing at midcourt all by himself, one more pass would have killed three or more seconds, and and Darius can shoot free throws just as good as Donovan. Uh, they're going back to this old philosophy, give the ball to LeBron or now Donovan and let him win the game for us. He's not a team player anymore. He won't give it up, let anyone else try and win the game. So, and I thank you for the call, John. I, I don't want to say that about uh, Darius. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it about Darius or Donovan. I don't think Darius is a bad kid at all, nor do I think Donovan is. I don't think it's their fault. I mean, this is this has now been almost two years with a similar theme about how they play offense in the second half of the year. And I, I absolutely do buy the philosophy, you either coach it or you allow it. And right now, it's being allowed. And there are reasons why it's happening. I completely understand it. And 25 years ago, it'd be a lot easier for Jamie Bickerstaff to swoop in because of the role coaches had 25 years ago versus now. It's still JB's job to figure it out. And for Cavs fans in, in Cleveland Sports Talk Media, there has to be something between there's zero panic and we're kumbaya and the sky is falling. Right now, we're very much in between those two things. In another two or three weeks, yeah, all of a sudden you're going to be it's, – it's, now it's a 6 out of 10 for concern. Another couple of weeks after that, it's an 8 out of 10. The – Cavs lost last night in double overtime. It in and of itself, not really going to hammer them for, but it's more the through line that we've seen in seven games. And one rebuttal, and I saw it a bunch yesterday when Danny and I were talking about it, when Danny Cunningham joined me in the 5 o'clock hour, um, was, well, look at their record. 
And I just think that's a dangerous mentality. I think, you know, I think look at their record kind of falls back into the idea of the Cavs have made it and we should just automatically expect them to trip and fall into the, the you know, the Eastern Conference Finals. That's not where they are. And there's a lot at stake this year and the organization has played it cool and played it safe in how they manage a roster. That's worth noting. The Cavs can be as patient as they want to be. Well, we got to see, you know, we, we, we don't really know who J.B. Bickerstaff is till he's been in seven playoff series with us. Okay, if you don't stay ahead of decisions, if you don't stay ahead of roster management, eventually the players are going to start staying ahead of it for you. But to talk about last night's uh, win by the Chicago Bulls over the Cleveland Cavaliers in double overtime in Chicago. Uh, not only is he the play-by-play voice of the Bulls, uh, NBC Sports Chicago, he's also NFL on Fox, MLB on Fox. The man has more jobs uh, than Seacrest and manages to stay very nice and very humble. It is Adam Amin on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Adam, welcome to the show, buddy. Oh, man, good to talk to you again, pal. <laughs> Thanks for the intro. Well, I got to ask you, how much have you talked about the leap year today? Because uh, judging by the other stations I've listened to on Sports Talk, it is a hot topic on February 29th, the fact that this only happens once every four years. Do you, you feel a lot, you got a lot of takes on leap year? I, the, the one take I think I have is basically a meme that I see go around once in a while, usually during a leap year in February, where it's like, you know, instead of 12 months, why don't we do 13 with 28 days apiece? And I'm like, sounds good. You let me know when that happens. Until then, I'm just going to pretend that this doesn't, this, this, this isn't a thing that we have to concern ourselves with, other than like Tyrese Halliburton has a birthday on a leap year day. That's all. So it's interesting you say this because we did get into quite a Donnie Brook either this week or last week. I don't know. Time's a flat circle about, um, <laughs> what was it? Daylight saving time? Oh, man. And that was corrected because I kept saying daylight savings time and somebody could not have that. One of our listeners, furious, lost all credibility with him. So it's been a very good weather calendar related month here as we also had snow today after being 60 degrees two days ago. It's just, what a time to be alive, Adam. You and me. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You and me both, pal. It was 60 on Monday. It was 70 on Tuesday. And it was 30 yesterday. And it's about 40 today. So in the same boat. So looking to the Cavaliers, um, I'm just curious because you saw them three times in the last like month and a half. You saw them on January 15th. They got a convincing win over the Bulls, 109-91. Then you saw them on Valentine's Day right before the break. 
it was a Cavs win, but it was a close one, closer than expected, 108-105. And then last night, the Cavs just kind of fell apart in double overtime. Do you see a dramatically different team? Whether The way they're playing, all that kind of stuff. Like last night versus what you saw going back to January 15th, kind of in the middle of that stretch of 18 to 20 wins. You know, I, I, I didn't feel like there was much of a difference other than like what the rotations are going to look like. You know, I think Dean Wade was out, you know, so it's like that's an extra body and that extra body once you get in closer to playoff time actually matters whether you're going to play him or not. You know, because it, it feels like JB is still working on rotations and, you know, Keith and I were talking about this a little bit too. And that's what it seems like, at least right now. Like, every coach wants to cut down to nine guys at most, maybe eight guys uh, in key stretches during, you know, playoff series. And I know this, this is going to be a really important playoff series, whatever it ends up being, whether you guys are the, the two, the three, the four, whatever it is, it's going to be a very important series, especially after the, you know, disappointing finish a year ago. So I understand that cutting rotations down, getting a – a solid stagger of when you play Mitchell and Garland together, when you play them separate, how much you play Allen and Mobley apart compared to how much you play them separately. I know these are all questions and, and experiments that you're running right now. I don't see a ton of difference in the style of play game to game. I think in game is when you see a lot of the peaks and valleys, right? And whether that's rotational base, whether that's movement based, whatever that's based on that given night, it's been this has been an up and down team. Like even, you know, the blowout win in January, I think I think the Cavs were up big. I think they were up like twenty, twenty one points in the second half. Bulls came back and took a lead at one point in that game. So, you know, I know it ended up being Cleveland making the the strong push towards the end in January, but like that's that's the type of games I've seen Cleveland play where they could have big leads and that lead can dissipate very quickly all of a sudden. Like as good as they are defensively overall game to game. I think against the better offensive teams, they fall into some lulls, whether it's on offense with ball and player movement or whether it's on defense with pre-rotational stuff. Because at its best, I think this Cleveland defense rotates really well. They, they put Allen and Mobley into good positions to be great help defenders, and they allow Mitchell to you know, be aggressive, and, and Garland for that matter too, um, to be aggressive out on the perimeter with steals and, and let those guys kind of operate as, as rim protectors. I see a lot of lulls. Now, Come playoff time, is that going to hurt more? Yeah, it is. Right, right now, no, it doesn't really matter that much. They're still what twenty five and seven or something like that, or whatever. Twenty five and eight, the last thirty some odd games. But come playoff time, I think that's when that could become more of a factor and a problem. Adam, I'm so glad you mentioned um, it. Kind of that little spot there at the end about uh, the timing of everything and their overall record. You know, when the when the Cavs kind of staggered into and stumbled into the All-Star break, it was, well, they're tired. And then the, the first few games after the All-Star break, it was, well, just one or two games. And now you look at it, they're they're three and four in their last seven games, and we've kind of had this ongoing debate as a station on when on the NBA calendar do does style points or what wins or losses look like matter as much as wins or losses themselves. And I'm curious whether you have – whether it's February 29th or any other day, when all of a sudden you, how you win really starts to tell you the tale on whether or not you're going to be able to play well and succeed in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a great that's a great thought, and I know there's you know 50 different answers from 50 different people if you ask them, right? Like feel wise, 
if you're like a really good team, like you're really, you know, elite level roster, let's say a Boston right now, right? Like that's a team that has pretty good championship medal. Like they've been there that, you know, a lot of that roster has been to the finals. Uh, they've played a lot of playoff games. They've got a lot of experience on that team. So I'm like not as concerned with that group with like the Tatum and Brown run. And I'm not worried about Al Horford and, you know, guys like that. So for Boston that has like a little bit more solid, deep playoff experience, I'm less concerned about what they look like in like late February and like the first couple weeks of March when everybody's kind of shaking off a little bit of the, you know, all-star break mindset, you know, maybe some of those guys are taking some time, you know, off or being a little bit lighter on their feet. Uh, when when they get done with some all-star festivities, like the guys who, who had to make the trip to Indianapolis, I'm not worried about them. When it comes to everybody else in the East, the Philadelphias, the Milwaukee's, the Cleveland's, the Knicks, you know, teams that either don't have as much of a deep playoff pedigree or haven't played particularly well despite their pedigree. Like Milwaukee falls into that category perfectly. I feel like you really have to start keying in right about like the second week of March because that's when it gets a little more solidified. You got a month left. You got about 20 games or so to really kind of tinker and experiment. Obviously a team like Milwaukee that's only had 13 games with Doc Rivers has a lot of work to do. You know, they're six and seven. I know they're playing a little bit better now. Uh, five, five of their last seven they've won, but I think Milwaukee is a team that needs to start figuring it out now. I think Cleveland is a team that has a little bit more leeway because they've had more continuity and they've had multiple iterations of their roster to be able to figure out how to win games. And I think it's tinkering here right now for JB, like rotation-wise, what's my best lineup against this type of team? What's my best lineup in this situation? Like these are things you have to track as a coaching staff. So I feel like it's different for different teams. But like if I'm looking at Cleveland and Milwaukee and Boston, the top three in the East, I think it's very different timelines based on the experience, the current level of play, and what I've seen overall from October until now. Adam, given the insane scoring that teams average now in the NBA, the the association has had thoughts about tweaking the rules to to maybe, I don't know, give defenders a chance. One such proposal that has support, it's not an official proposal, but that, that uh, NBA uh, decision makers have tossed around was eliminating the defensive three-second violation did, are you a fan of that idea and how it might change the NBA? When I first hear it, I'm not a fan of it, but I am a fan of playing around with something like that or playing around with this. I think this is a concept that could grow on me a little bit. Initially, I, I balk at it, but I think part of that is just this is the way we've done it for a long time and there are other problems to fix. I think like how fouls are called in the league right now are a bigger issue which boils down to officiating. I think officiating, as we've talked about, I know you guys have probably discussed this aplenty just in the last couple of weeks alone with some of the results that have, that have uh, taken place, you know, in, involving the Knicks in particular, their game against uh, Detroit earlier this week, where it's the no, you know, the no call on DiVincenzo, uh, the Rockets game where they had the protest that got denied the other day, you know, when there should have been a foul on, I think it was Aaron Brooks, um, you know, like just the way the games are officiated, I think have to be cleaned up first. That might help. I think consistency is something that's really important. It's really hard. I understand because there are so many volatile personalities in the NBA and so many different types of personalities. 
And the only way to grow relationships between officials and players is to let the officials officiate. But I, I feel like there's a couple of other issues before we start deep, deep diving into some of the more consistent rules that we've had. But I'm open to it. I'm definitely open to it because something has to give when the point total is what, like 115, 116, like the league average right now. It's really high. But just I don't see enough physical defense. I don't. I see inconsistent levels of physicality night in and night out. And I think that's where the initial problems lie rather than the functional and mechanical operation of what a defense looks like. I think the individual physicality has to be figured out first. And that begins with how it's officiated and more importantly, how consistently it's officiated. I just can't believe you think tackling someone is a foul now. I mean, talk about uh, this woke, soft generation, cancel shock, culture shock and all that. We used to be a country. We used to be a proper country around these parts, Nick. I mean, uh, if 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 Kareem Abdul-Jabbar can't knock Kent Benson <laughs> into 1989, is it even basketball anymore? I ask. Actually, so I got into an absolute Donnybrook uh, yesterday with my my partner. I got into uh, now the morning show. I uh, had a fight about my take. I and it was about Mark Price, how he'd look in this era. I'm curious though. Which NBA player from a bygone era would you most like to see play in today's day NBA? Uh, a couple come come to mind. Um, no surprise that you know they're both European. I think uh, I, I would have loved to see Arvidas Sabonis, Demontis' dad, uh, who I think a lot of a lot of guys I talked to from that era. You know, the Dominique Wilkins of the world, my partner Stacey King, uh, who played against guys like that. You know, they say that he would have fit into the modern era, like. Arvidas Sabonis could have been like a Doncic, Jokic type of player because that's the role he would have been placed into based on the skill set that he was already coming in with. Um, I, again, in Chicago, I, you know, I'm a little closer to this, but Tony Kukoc, you know, who is a, who became a really solid player as basically like a, a fourth or fifth, sometimes sixth man uh, in terms of options for what that Bulls team was doing. Oftentimes he was the, the third best scorer on the team. Uh, you know, he came in with that that style of play that you know, the, like Luka Doncic makes makes look easy right now. What Jokic does at his size is what Sabonis was doing a lot of. Not exactly the same, and maybe not with the same size or physicality, but with the passing ability, the vision, uh, the clever nature of the play that made it tougher on defenses to figure out what he was doing. And he still had the the level of physicality that was appropriate for that style and that era of basketball. So those are two guys that I've, I've talked a lot about with other players that feel like they would have fit in perfectly in the style of play that we see right now. Guys who are a little bit bigger, who could still shoot from distance, who had an, a passing ability that belied their size and a vision and IQ that, that felt like somebody who had been playing in the NBA for a long period of time, even though those guys had all this great international experience. They translated it better than a lot of other European players did. Adam, great stuff as always, buddy. Appreciate you. Keep killing it. And uh, uh, maybe next time the Cavs get another win, because I like it more when the Cavs <laughs> win than the Bulls win, just just for my own kind of feel there. So it's still it's still like a seven, you know, like a 10-game 10, 10, 10 spread, nine, nine, 10-game spread. I think your guys are fine. <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll, we'll see, buddy. No, I appreciate you, buddy. Great stuff. No, no problem at all, pal. Anytime. Adam Amin there on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, the play-by-play -play voice of the Bulls, uh, NBC Sports Chicago, NFL on Fox, MLB on Fox. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.